It's good to be back with you again tonight. That's a little bit loud, isn't it? Maybe not. Good to be back with you again tonight. Appreciate your attendance this evening. Appreciate the good feedback from this morning. Tonight's lesson is another lesson with a bit of an uh, unusual title, I suppose. The title of tonight's lesson is Judge Not or Judge with Righteous Judgment. And it kind of goes along with the same thought of this morning. Does, does Jesus' words mean what they say? Did Jesus mean what he said when he said the things that he said? And tonight we're looking at, at kind of, a, uh, uh, of a, con- two contrasting statements, right? You've got the one that says, judge not. You've got the other one that says, judge with righteous judgment. And so if you're studying the Bible and you're trying to figure out how we should live our lives, uh, which one do we do? Do we not judge people or do we judge people righteously? Can these two statements be used uh, together or are they a contradiction of one another? And so that's the aim of our, of our message tonight, it's the aim of our lesson tonight. I hope you got your Bibles with you and uh, we'll turn with us. Appreciate Wes reading for us again tonight there. Uh, and we will be uh, examining some scripture tonight and see what the Bible says about the type of judgment we either are or are not supposed to to share. So, by way of introduction tonight, I think it's important that we understand, first of all, the necessity of judgment. There are certain things in life that we must judge for ourselves. One of those things is when it comes time to uh, vote in elections, right? And we've got to decide who we're going to vote for, and we've got to judge the candidates, who's being truthful, who's not being truthful, who represents things that we can stand behind, who's not representing the things that we can stand behind. And so we make a judgment in who we decide to vote for. Our teens, our young people, they're having to make judgments every single day. Very important decisions. Are they going to follow the path that God set before them? Are they going to turn to their friends and and those of the world? When they start dating, who are they going to date? Are we going to use good judgment in who we date? And as it comes time to get married, there's got to be some judgment there, right? Uh, On behalf of the the parents as they look at their children and the potential spouse and uh, a husband as he's looking for a wife and and, and the young lady, she's looking for a husband. You've got to make judgments about that person and whether or not they're going to be the kind of spouse that can ultimately help you get to heaven. Judgments have to be made. On a much less serious note, we've got a gallon of chocolate milk at our house right now. There's some debate about whether or not it's soured. It's date's still good, but it doesn't taste good. And, and you know, you'd think one sip and you'd throw it out, but we're on about the fourth or fifth sip because we just still haven't made that judgment yet. But we're going to have to eventually judge that gallon of milk, right? We're either going to use it or we're not. Anybody else ever have these kind of things, right? I mean, this, this is what happens. You've got to make a judgment call. This is either good or it's not good. I'm always impressed with grandparents. Some of the stuff, oh, that's okay, you can eat that. That's all right, you can drink that. That's okay. I'm a little more discerning in my judgment sometimes about the, the things that are still good or not good. Judgments have to be made. The judgments we're talking about tonight, though, aren't as silly as a gallon of chocolate milk. We give advice to others, and some good advice that I think we give to people sometimes is that we tell them to use your best judgment. Just use your best judgment. I hate that advice. (laughs) If I come to you for advice, I don't have the best judgment, that's why I need you. But then I find myself sometimes at work or... uh, with friends, and they're asking for my input on something, and we talk about the pros and the cons, and I find myself giving the, that, that same sentence to them. Well, when it all comes down to it, what, church? You've got to use your best judgment. 
make an informed decision and use your best judgment. But now how can we do that? How can we use our best judgment? How can we judge these things like a potential spouse or, or an elected official? How can we make these judgment decisions when the Bible tells us, judge not? Are we sinning every time that we make those judgment decisions? I don't think so, and we'll get into that in a moment. But these are judgments that we have to make in our life. And I think sometimes that is good advice. I think we see Jesus, and this is letter C, I think we see Jesus discussing judgment quite a bit uh, during His teachings on earth. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, in verse 1, He says to judge not, that you be not judged. But we're also told in John chapter 7, verse 21, to judge with this righteous judgment. Judging with a righteous judgment can be very difficult. Especially in a society like today, where so many are quick to utter the phrase, don't judge me. But yet the Bible encourages us to do just that on some occasions. God even demands that we follow all the teachings of Jesus and we keep His words. Mark chapter 8 and verse 38, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So church, right off the bat is introduction. You see we've got a dilemma tonight, right? We've got a dilemma that we're going to have to go through Scripture. We're going to have to unearth and uncover and figure out what are we going to do if we're going to obey Mark 8, 38 and keep all the words of Christ? What are we going to do if we're supposed to not judge, but then if we're also supposed to judge with righteous judgment? So let's spend our time together tonight, and let's look at some examples of things that we're supposed to judge and how we're supposed to judge them, and some things that we're not supposed to judge, and some things that we're supposed to be more uh, considerate of others with. So, let's look again at these two passages of what some would call uh, contradicting Scriptures. If you've got your Bibles, turn to both of those. John chapter 7. John chapter 7 is the first one. Uh, verses 21 through 24. John seven twenty-one through 24. And Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work, and you all marvel." Moses, therefore, gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. And then letter B there under number 2. Turn back over to the passage that Wes read for us just a little earlier. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. Judge not that you be not judged. I'm not going to repeat everything that was already read tonight. So skip to verse 5. You hypocrites, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I always thought it was interesting in verse 5. He doesn't tell them to remove the plank from your own eye and then go and get some healing. But he tells the person that had the plank after they've taken care of it themselves to then go and help the brother or the sister that had the speck in their eye. Judge with righteous judgment or judge not. 
So let's examine his words, and this is where we'll spend the majority of our time tonight, and that's point number three. Examining the words of Christ. First of all, church, there's a type of judgment that we are not to do, and that is this uh, judgment that's according to appearance. We're not supposed to judge simply according to the appearance of the things that we think we might see. John 7 and verse 24 says that very simply. Do not judge according to appearance. The thing that always comes to mind when I think about judging according to appearance is what our concealed carry instructor taught us. And I don't remember if I've shared this story with you guys here at Seven Oaks before or not. But I went several years ago. I was a student at Murray State and got, got uh, accepted into pharmacy school at the University of Tennessee in Memphis. And my next-door neighbor was a physics professor at Murray State, huge gun advocate. And he heard the news that I'd been accepted to go to pharmacy school at Memphis. And that night he came over in a sweat, panicked. We're going to the gun store in the morning, we're buying you a gun, we're getting you a concealed carry permit. I said, why? He said, because you ain't going to Memphis without a gun. <laughs> okay, fair enough, let's, let's go. So he, we went, we went, got a gun, took me to the range, taught me how to shoot, had a great time, enjoyed it, it was a lot of fun, I enjoyed it. So I go to my concealed carry class, and we're in the concealed carry class, and they're talking about the things you can and cannot do when you have a concealed carry permit. And one of the things that the, the gentleman teaching the class did was he quoted some of these scriptures about judge not according to appearance. And he gave us scenarios. And he says, you're in a 7-Eleven. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's a bad part of town. There's bars on the window. You come out of the 7-Eleven and there's a man on the ground being beaten. And the man on the ground's wearing a suit and tie and the guy on top's got on a hooded sweatshirt and he's got a gun drawn. He's holding it to the back of the man's head that's down on the ground that he's beating and you've got your concealed carry, and you come out of the store, what are you going to do? How many of you are going to neutralize the threat? And boy, everybody in the class like, yeah, we're going to save the man. And um, in this scenario, uh, apparently this actually had happened. The man on top dressed less fittingly was actually an undercover police officer. The man in the suit and tie on the ground was being arrested for crimes that he had just committed. The point was, you come out of that store, guns blazing, to save this poor man on the ground, you, you might have just endangered the life of a police officer. <laughs> Oops. You talk about hitting me like a ton of bricks. Because up to that point, it was simple. Like, yeah, I want this carry. I want to be able to do this to protect myself. And not just myself. I'm going to protect everybody around me. And the first scenario thrown at me, I would be now in jail probably for the rest of my life trying to do what I thought was the right thing. I was judging a situation based on appearance that I had no business judging. I pray that I'm never in a situation like that. I pray y'all are never in a situation like that. But how many times on a daily basis do we make that same mistake in the way we judge our families, our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ? They weren't at church last night, and instead I saw them at such and such place, and you know what that means, don't you? No, what does that mean? <laughs> how do you know what that means? Well, I mean, you know what it probably means. No, what does it probably mean? What are we doing? What are we doing, church? We're, we're judging based off of simple appearance. If I don't know it to be true myself, then I probably should reserve judgment on whatever it is that I'm about to pass judgment on, right? And this is one of those instances where Jesus would tell us to judge not. We have no business judging according to appearance. Therefore, the first type of judgment that we are not to do is to not judge according to appearance. Number two, 
You and I need to make sure that as we are about to pass judgment on others, that we do not judge another's salvation. We do not judge another's salvation. Now, let me can finish this thought before we disagree. I would submit to you that, that not even Christ made this as His goal while He was on earth. Matter of fact, in John chapter 12 and verse 47, Jesus said, I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Many in the world today, that's those outside of the church, would tell you, I don't go to church. I don't go be a part of the churches of Christ. I don't want to be around those people because all they want to do is tell everybody else that they're going to, you know where, right, church? And it's not heaven. All that the church wants to do is run around telling everybody else that they're lost. All the church wants to do is run around telling everybody else they're the only ones going to heaven. All the church wants to do, I would submit to you that Jesus said His job when He was on earth wasn't to go around telling everybody else where their judgment and where they're going to spend eternity was. Jesus said His job while He was on earth was to tell people about how they could be saved and to save those people. I would submit to you the Great Commission tells you and I not to go throughout all the world telling folks they're going to hell. Not to go into all the world telling all the folks that we're right and they're wrong. Not to go into all the world and beat people as hard as you can with the Bible over the head. But rather to go into all the world teaching and preaching them about repentance, about salvation, about baptism, about the opportunity and the hope of being saved through Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what our job is. Not to, I'm not the one to judge. I don't know anything about your salvation. Now, there's some things that I know, right? We talked this morning about reading Scripture and the things we must do to be saved. That's not judging uh, by appearance. That's judging based off the Bible, right? I mean, if there's things we've got to do to be saved, and I haven't done those things, that's not me judging. That's black and white. Scripture says we haven't, therefore. That's not a judgment. That's just reality. But the Great Commission tells us to go and to tell people how to be saved. Jesus Himself said His job was to come and to seek and to save. Can we try to do our part to change that perception in the world? That we actually care about people's souls? And I think that we do. But I think sometimes the world gets the view of us that all we want to do is uplift ourselves and push them down. All that we want to do is brag on ourselves and judge them and how lost that they are. It's not our job to judge another's salvation. Uh, the exercise of such judgment, I would submit to you, is all the more sinful in that it is premature. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5 says to judge nothing before the time. Let our mission into the world be a mission of trying to seek and save the lost, not to identify and tell as many people as possible just how lost they are, and then do nothing to help them find Jesus. Does that make sense? I didn't like the wording of that at first. Because absolutely, I'm not preaching that any type of salvation is equal. And I think you know that, because just this morning, I preached that there's only one salvation, and it's in Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm just saying, what's our mission? Are we out trying to judge people for the sake of judging them, or are we out trying to bring them to the Lord to be saved? Number three, the third type of judgment that is forbidden in Scripture is hypocritical judgment. Hypocritical judgment is forbidden. And I love the passage that was used for Scripture tonight. I love the passage because it, it, it's something that uh, I see over and over again in our, in our, in our world today. It's, it's something that I think um, 
I think folks want to cling to hypocritical judgment. There have been times that I've wanted to go and talk to someone about a sin in their life. But I've stopped myself from doing that because maybe there's something in my life that's not just right. And if I go and talk to this person about what they're doing, well, what are they going to say back to me? Am I the only one? Probably not. This passage, this passage in Matthew 7 doesn't tell me to do what I find myself doing sometimes. You answer for yourself. What I find myself doing sometimes is, well, I don't be a hypocrite. Therefore, I just won't say anything about it. Church, did y'all read this passage? What did it say? There's a fellow with a plank in his eye. He sees a brother with a speck in his eye, and he goes over to tell him how to get it out. And Jesus said, you that has the plank in your eye need to go home, lay down and rest, and quit worrying about that fellow with the speck in his eye. That's not what it says, is it? Jesus says, you better go tell your brother with the speck in his eye to get it out, but before you can do it, get the plank out of your own eye. Have you put all that into context? He doesn't tell the guy with the plank in his eye, don't be trying to help others find salvation. Don't be trying to help others live their best life. Don't be trying to help others get back on the right path. He says, no, go help that brother with the speck, but first, get the plank out of your own eye. It'd be like going into an operating room, get ready to have an IV put in, and the nurse comes in, and she's fiddling with some of the needles and stuff, and she's not quite working just right, and then all of a sudden she said, hang on, let me get my glasses. <laughs> How would that make you feel? <laughs> Why did you not already have your glasses when you started? Back when I was in high school, and I know I have told you all this story before, but i got to tell it again, lifting weights, those old dumbbells. Luke, we used to have dumbbells with the, the paint that would flake off of there. And I was lifting some big weight, probably 20 pounds in each arm, and um, was doing the, my, my, my dumbbell, fl- and a big flake of that came off, landed right in my eye. And I started laughing, not because it was funny, but because I thought of this verse in the Bible. And Coach Hatchell, the PE teacher, he's over at Mayfield now, but Coach Hatchell comes over and says, let me get that for you. And he's down, he's got like a paper towel in his fingernail, <laughs> I'm trying to do like surgery in my eyeball. And about halfway through it, Coach Hatchell said, hang on a minute, I got something in my eye. <laughs> and I don't know what, this, this verse just, but you know what I didn't tell him? I didn't tell him, hey, you got something in your eye, leave me alone. I'll just suffer. I didn't say that. You know what I told him? <laughs> Why don't you go get you some glasses, take care of whatever your problem is, and then come back and help me. Hey, there's two points to this passage, church. Number one, if you're the one that's got the plank in your eye trying to get the speck out of someone else's eye, keep trying to help them. But get the plank out of your eye first. And the second message, if you're the brother or sister with the speck, and you got somebody coming to you with a beam sticking out of their eye, hear their words. And appreciate them for what they're trying to do for your soul. Hear it for what it's worth. Is there some merit to what this person's saying that I need to correct in my life? If it is, I'm going to help them get the beam out of their eye too. But I'm going to take a moment to reflect on what they're telling me. Maybe there is something here that I need to change. But church, we've got to be careful not to pass hypocritical judgment on others. Romans chapter 2 And verse 1, Paul says, You are inexcusable, O man. 
Whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And you skip down to verse 3. And Paul says, And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Church, you and I have got to be careful not to pass hypocritical judgment on others. The easiest way to phrase that is to simply practice what you preach. Practice what you preach. Be the kind of Christian that can tell others, do as I do rather than the kind of Christian that has to tell others, do as I say, not as I do. Hypocritical judgment falls under the category of judge not. Number four, judgment of motives is forbidden in Scripture. Judgment of motives is forbidden in Scripture. You and I are to love one another and not to hold suspicions of one another. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, and then again in verse 7, and you all know 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. talks about the kind of things that love does for one another. And in verse 5, uh, Paul says that love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. And in verse 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And church, I can't do those things if I spend my days being suspicious of the motives of others. We've got a work day at church. We need somebody to come and, and help Brad move all the chairs so the people can come and clean the carpet. And I drive by, and brother so-and-so's here helping move the chairs, and I can't believe he'd be up there doing that. Well, I wonder why he's doing that. Because we've got a new preacher, isn't it? He doesn't know that when the last preacher said he would have never volunteered to do anything, and that guy said, I'm going to call somebody else and tell him, brother so-and-so's up there moving the chairs trying to get in good with the new preacher. What am I doing? I'm like, why, why? But have you ever heard someone, have you ever had that phone call from a brother? Don't, I mean, don't shake your head yes too strongly, but have you ever had that phone call? I want you to know what so-and-so's doing. They're out today taking uh, poinsettias to the widows. They're out taking food to people. You know the only reason why they never have done that before. Why do you think they're doing that today? I don't know. Is there a good work being done? Well, yeah. Well, then leave it alone. Why, Why am I judging the motives of others. You can nod on this one, but church, have you seen it happen? Christians that want to judge the motives. I know the only reason why they... That sister hadn't come and talked to me in three years, and she came over today to talk to me. I know the only reason why is because she saw we bought a new car, and she just wanted to find out about the new car. Just stop. Don't judge the motives of others. Church, you and I can't see into the heart of man I would submit to you sometimes there are motives behind people doing things. I would submit to you sometimes there, there, there is someone that's trying to work an angle to take advantage of you. But I would also submit to you this morning we talked about forgiving our brothers and sisters. We just read in 1 Corinthians 13 to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things. 
Take consolation in the fact that 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says that when the Lord comes, He will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. It's not for you and I to decide the motives of others. We can't see the heart and therefore we'd better leave it alone and not judge motives. Number five, the last type of judgment you and I are not to pass. You and I are not to judge others in matters of opinion. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 10, Paul says, But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And some of the biggest fallouts in the church have come over matters of opinion. Why do I want to get angry over something that's just a matter of opinion? Why do I want to pass a judgment over that? And so church tonight, we've looked at five different examples of, of judgments <clears throat> that fall in with Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. I think we can agree that those are the kinds of judgments that, that the Lord was saying that we shouldn't be passing on others. But let's move into letter B and look at four types of judgments that the Bible says that we are to hold. Four types of judgments that you and I had better give some attention to. <clears throat> and the first of these is righteous judgment. You and I must judge others with righteous judgment. John 7 and verse 24, as a matter of fact, says... Judge with righteous judgment. So how do, we, how do we do that? Well, the judging with righteous judgment is not a judgment on one's salvation. It's not a judgment on the types of judgments that we just talked about. But rather, it's a discerning judgment. A righteous judgment is a judgment of what is right and what is wrong. A righteous judgment, we must not allow ourselves to be silenced by a society that, that, that doesn't want to allow folks to pass a righteous judgment. Wrong is still wrong, whether we say it or not. Therefore, the Bible tells us to judge with a righteous judgment. There was some talk several years back about beginning to try to um, find folks guilty of hate speech for calling sin, sin. That if a preacher wanted to stand in the pulpit and preach a sermon against homosexuality as it being a sin, that perhaps that preacher should be charged with a hate crime. Church, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. That's, that's from the Scripture. Wrong is still wrong. We must call what is wrong, wrong. If there's something that takes place and it's not in accordance with God's Word, if our children are doing something that breaks the law or that violates the rules of the land or that violates the rules of wherever we're at at that time, it's our duty as parents to tell the children not to do that. First time your child looks up at you and says, don't judge me. How are you going to respond to that? I'm not judging you. The sign says, don't run. You were running. That's not a judgment. That's why it's hard to argue with the police officer when they pull you over for speeding. That's not a matter of opinion. The sign said 55. The button in your car said 75. This number's greater than that number. It's a math thing. It's not a judgment thing, right? I mean, like, there's sins... That wrong is wrong. These types of things, the Bible tells us that we should judge with righteous judgment. Do you remember the woman that was caught in adultery? And they brought her before our Lord, and, he, and, he, and, he, and they brought her and said, Lord, what are you going to do to her? The, you know, the, the law says you should stone her. She should be condemned. And, and the Lord, after he spent some time riding on the ground, and the, the men all leave the room, he asked her, where are your accusers? Is there no one here remaining that condemns you? She says, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. 
and he didn't judge her, and they both went on their way happily ever after, and the woman got to continue living in adultery. That's not the way the story reads, but that's the way I've heard it explained to me a hundred times by society. Jesus wouldn't want you to tell people that they're sinning. Jesus wouldn't want you to talk to that woman in adultery and tell her to stop because he said he didn't condemn her. But the very biblical account itself, the next verse, Jesus tells her, neither do I condemn you, but what, church? Go and sin no more. If she's going to sin no more, that means Jesus told her what you're doing right now is a what? A sin. He wasn't judging her. It was a well-known fact. She was caught in adultery, the very act, the Bible says. What he told her was, now is not the day of judgment. You've still got time for salvation. Remember our earlier point? Don't judge someone's salvation. Try to help save them. Try to help bring them to Christ. I'm not judging your salvation, but I'm telling you, what you're doing is a sin. That's not a judgment. That's a fact. You need to change. Number one, you and I need to judge with righteous judgment. Number two, the type of judgment that I think we are supposed to do, you and I must judge between good and evil. We must judge between good and evil. This is part of the maturing process of Christians. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14 talks about that. At this particular time, the Christians should have been able to partake of meat and solid food, but instead they were still only being able to partake of, of milk. They had not yet been able to have their senses exercised to discern between good and evil. So church, you and I as mature Christians, we should become better at judging between what is good and what is evil. And so how do you become better at judging between what is good and what is evil? You do it by spending time in the Word of God. You do it by spending time in study. You do it by spending time understanding that not everything's black and white and that not everything's okay. And as we develop on that, we become more mature Christians. Church, you and I must judge between good and evil. Number three, you and I must judge for ourselves who we will serve. We must judge for ourselves who we will serve. I don't have a lot to say about that because it's pretty self-explanatory, right? From the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, he says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, what? We will serve the Lord. <laughs> Just like that gallon of milk. Are you going to drink it or not? Got to make a judgment call. Men, in your household, who are you going to serve? The Lord or the world? You've got to make a judgment call. It's the type of judgment we're supposed to make. Finally, number four, you and I must judge between what is good and what is better. We must judge between what is good and what is better. Uh, if Miss Beatles were here tonight, I would have probably said what is good and what is gooder, um, but I'm afraid she would have tracked me down after church was over. What is good and what is better? The beginning text, um, John chapter 7, 21 through 24, Jesus said, I did one work and you all marvel. And the one work that he was referring to was him healing a man at Bethesda several months earlier from the occasion that's recorded in Scripture here. And by the Pharisees' judgment, the healing of that man was a single violation of the Sabbath. 
And so Jesus, as he is explaining this, is asking the question, you've got to judge between what is good and what is better. Would it have been good for Jesus to have told that man that was lame, I'm sorry, I can't heal you because today's the Sabbath. I mean, he would have been strictly keeping the law, but would he have been serving his purpose? He would have been hindering this person from being able to be healed. And so what is good and what is better? It's good for me to spend time with my family at home. It's better for me to spend time with my family at church. It's good for me to read financial literature and for me to spend time in making money for my family and for me to spend time in learning more about history and world civ, but it's better for me to be building up treasures in heaven. You and I must judge between what is good and what is better. Folks, that's the message for tonight. Judge not that you be not judged. And that's true. Don't judge on the things that are immaterial. Don't judge on the things that we don't have the ability or the comprehension to judge on. But the things that we do, make sure we judge those with righteous judgment. Because let us see, there's going to come a day when you and I will face a very different kind of judgment. One day we'll appear before God and excitement will fill the righteous. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord... <clears throat> And the righteous judge will give to me on that day, not to me only, but also to all who have loved His appearing. The way of invitation tonight, church, I want you to ask yourself that one question. If that judgment day was today, how would you feel about the appearing of the Lord? We were on a mission trip in Peru, and they told the story about the year before they'd had terrible earthquakes in the country. And the earthquakes had caused many buildings to collapse. One of the buildings that collapsed, many of the children that were at the, um, that were at the, the compound that night had been in the building or near the building. And they said that the rumble of the earthquake was terrible. And the sound of the buildings collapsing was terrible. And one of the nights before we got there, they were having their nighttime service. And one of the classrooms decided to move a bunch of chairs. And the sound of the students moving those chairs created that same rumbling noise. And they said the children just panicked. That just sheer terror went through all. They thought it was another earthquake. They thought it was another time of destruction. The, the, the ones that were there, admit their hearts just broke for those children. When the return of the Lord comes back and there's the trumpets that sound and there's that unmistakable noise, unlike anything we've ever heard before, what is your reaction going to be? In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 8, says, there's going to be some that's going to love the appearing of the Lord. We hear the sound, we know it's the Lord. Are you going to run leaping, looking, I'm here, Lord? Or are you going to try to hide? If you find yourself in the category of the latter, don't leap here that way tonight. If you've never put on Christ in baptism for mission of your sins, uh, we can make that happen tonight. If you need to study more about that, we can start that process tonight. Perhaps you're one that's put on Christ in the past, but along the way you've, you've fallen away and need to come back home. We'd pray with you and for you tonight. God would forgive you. If we could help you in any way at all, would you please come while we stand and sing?